You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off. And who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we're back with more training camp action. Wish we were both there, obviously. Uh, both of us got stuck in late meetings and obviously would feel better if we were sitting in the bleachers at Rainishki Field right now watching practice instead of you know, dealing with the the grind of a nine to five job, but Perry, <laughs> but I, you know, we'll be there soon enough. I guess we can preface this by saying that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be there in 12 days. I'm not counting. Just counting. <laughs> yeah. counting. I'm not counting or anything. Um, yeah, but practice seems good. It was practice number eight. Um, Guys have the pads on, so we're getting to see what they really look like. It's hard to tell, like, who looks good in shorts. I feel like anyone can look – any of these guys look athletic, but when you get the pads on, you really get to see what's what. So uh, what do you want to start with? I just think it's crazy that we literally had Nagler on last week to do, like, a recap of the first couple days of practice, and now we're talking about the eighth training camp. Like, it flies by. We wait all off-season for it to get here, and then it feels like before we know it, we're going to be previewing, you know, week one against the Vikings. But, well, let's talk about some of – let's just go offense and defense. Because for me, one of the things that surprised me, I guess, right away about the offensive line is that Jake Hansen has been getting so many reps with the ones. And I think maybe one of the initial battles that we'll have is what happens along the initial offensive line. You've got John Runyon Jr. and Josh Myers pretty much locked in you know Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari are starting when they get back. So then the question is, does Rice Newman stay at guard? Does he swing over to tackle? Does Zach Tom get a nod somewhere? Does Yash get a nod somewhere? And what happens with Jake Hansen, who I thought was a backup center, and is now getting looks with the ones at right guard? I'm not going to lie. This might be a hot take because everyone's really enjoying this, but like, I'm really sick of talking about the offensive line. And okay. like, I'm no, no, I, I, don't mean it in, I don't mean it. And like, I'm glad you brought it up because I'm also like Jake Hansen, I thought was like a cut candidate coming into camp mm-hmm. this season. So I'm like very confused. I think they're obviously just like trying to see what the best combination is out there. Like to me, it's an indication that they actually don't feel confident that Bach is coming back like sooner rather than later. I just don't think that he would be out there if they thought like left tackle was locked up from week one. Um, and the reason that I say that is just simply, like, I just think the Packers will figure it out. Like, I just trust that whoever is out there starting five is going to be who they think is best. I personally have a just, like, a gut feeling that Zach Tom is going to be either him or Yash are going to be the ones that are out there. 
Um, I do not think Jake Hansen starts uh, week one. I just think they're doing due diligence at the moment. But um, I definitely take it as more of a sign that, like, yeah, sure, Elton is ahead of schedule, but he's not going to be back, you know, for the first quarter of the season. And I don't know what box timeline is either. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, when you look at, you know, a lot of the guys that are running with the ones, you're looking at your insurance policies because you have a preconceived notion or expectation for who your starting five will be. But as we saw plenty last season, you don't really start or you don't really finish the season with who you started with as your your starting five. So a guy like Jake Hansen getting reps at right guard is just insurance for if something were to happen. You know, I think they're they're like you said, doing their due due diligence and testing their versatility as far as where they can play guys in multiple spots and Zach Tom being able to play both tackle spots along with Yash I think goes a long way for the depth of those spots when David Bakhtiari does come back yeah definitely I mean do you think he makes the actual 53 like right out of camp yeah no sorry Jake Hansen I think he does. I actually started working on my uh, my way too early 53-man roster prediction. And the guy that I think is, I guess it's not really a surprise, but Rashid Walker to me doesn't make the roster. I think he's a practice-wide candidate just because he hasn't been able to actively practice. Yes. So I think that Jake Hansen is right now kind of just like, I don't want to say a warm body because I've heard that he's looked really good, especially with some bull rushes and things from, I think he had a rep against Rashawn Gary, but I think that he will be a lock based on his availability compared to what the depth looks like right now in the, the interior of the room. Okay. Fair enough. And again, this is me not seeing any of it live. So <laughs> take it, yeah. take it for a grain of or with a grain of salt. But what about like tight ends and wide receivers? I know it's really hard to, to predict the roster numbers collectively, but I, I get this weird feeling that the, the Packers are keeping five tight ends on the initial 53. Really? See, I just had this debate with my dad and we said four, like unequivocally four. Why do you feel five? I guess to me, and I think Daphne is the odd man out. If they do keep four, I think Tyler Davis gets that fourth spot over Daphne. But thinking about contributions as an F tight end and, you know, the versatility to play special teams, because you're not going to put like Tanya out there. You're not going to put Mercedes Lewis out there. Probably Deguara, but just as far as, you know, the availability of being able to play special teams, I could see Daphne carving out a role and being tight end five for that reason alone. So the reason I say four, I think, is because I agree. I think it's Daphne. And then whenever Tunyon gets actually activated off of Pup or whatever it is that he's going to be on to start the season, then they just move someone down is the way. Okay, so so you're not including Tunyon in in the initial. Okay, Exactly. So it's going to end up being four and someone is going to have to be shifted around or maybe they make room elsewhere when Tunyon's ready and it gets jumped up to five, depending on, let's say, like Daphne's having a really good season or Aaron Rodgers advocates for him. But I don't think that they keep five to start the season. Okay, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think... My expectation is that Tunyon will be back to start the season. I don't know if that's really? like a, Yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel good about it. I th- was it 
I think it was Bill Huber. Somebody had predicted that David Bakhtiari also starts week one. So I mean, I love it. I'm here for it. Right. So I just, I'm, you know, it's hard to, to assess where these guys are at in the rehab process when you just see them jogging on the sidelines. But yeah. I know like Andy said that Kylan Hill looks really good. So, yeah. you know, I mean, Kylan Hill actually responded to that tweet and yeah. just said like day by day. So Whatever that means, I do think that we're going to see Tanya and Kylan and Elton Jenkins back like sooner rather than mm-hmm. later. Um, I guess I'm with Lafleur, right? And I'm just kind of like a no expect in a no expectations right. place where I'm like, that would be amazing if it was week one. I'm not expecting it because I know how gruesome some of these injuries can be. I love to hear that they're ahead of schedule. I love to see them rehabbing, but I'm not like holding my breath per se. I think like getting them back like a week three is kind of where my mind's at. Like come back for the Bucks game for Tom. That'd be perfect. As far yeah. as wide receivers go, I actually think they keep more this season than not. Cause like you and I've talked about this so many times, right? Like there are at least five that feel like absolute locks. And then there are a few that I feel like they'll want to squeak on there. So it might be a year where they keep seven crazy enough, which is why in my head, I'm thinking four tight ends, seven wide receivers. Okay. Which is funny. Cause in my notes, I had six wide receivers and five tight ends, but I think we're on the same page with tight ends. It just depends what happens with Tanyan. But I would almost go as far as to say that I think there are six wide receiver locks. Like well, I dubs is probably one of them. So yeah. Right. Like I legitimately, you know, I, I know we talked about Watkins potentially being like a, just a vet ad to see what you get from him, but there's no way that Rogers and the floor are getting rid of him. No. And obviously Cobb and Lazard aren't going where anywhere. Watson's not going anywhere. Amari Rogers isn't going anywhere. Dobbs isn't going anywhere. That's six. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So unless they squeak like a two Ray or a Winfrey, I don't think it's Danny Davis, unfortunately, just because of the yeah. competition he's up against. But so who would your seventh be at this point? So in my head, I was thinking Toure because of he's a draft pick and I find it hard to believe they'll let go of a draft pick, even though he's seventh round and like for special teams reasons, but you never know. I mean, a Jawan, like this could be Jawan Winfrey's year. It could be like a Malik Taylor simply for special teams reasons. Like there's a couple of guys that I could see fighting for that spot, but you're right. It could just be the six that we're fully expecting. We also don't know, like, is Christian Watson going to be ready to start the season? It sounds like he is, but it's also possible he starts on the pup and then he misses four games. So then that leaves a spot open for somebody else to make a mark. Um, I think there are certain guys like Danny Davis who you can like safely stash on the practice squad. Like no one's really going to steal him. So I think that feels like the move, but as camp goes on, I have to say, and I was never really that concerned to just to put this out there. Um, I always said you can find it out there in the world. I feel fine about this offense. I feel more than fine about this offense, yes, honestly, especially after today's practice. And it's not just like this whole breakout Romeo dubs. I do feel like we need to temper expectations a little bit. Like I want to see him. In Absolutely. Not. And I want to see him in real I know, but I do want to see him in like real game speed, right? Game speed is so, so different from, from practice. You're going up against actual defenders. Not that the Packers defense and practice aren't actual defenders, but you know what I mean? Like full padded, full speed game. Um, So my expectations are a little bit lower than everybody else's. I still feel like he's going to be a nice contributor, but um, it's more for me, just Rogers, everything we're seeing about Rogers. He looks like he is, 
MVP level, like full speed, hard hitting on his shit. Like he, sorry, I just cursed. Like he had a no look pass today in practice. Like he hasn't skipped a beat. Um, and so if we're getting like it's the psychedelics, honestly. Honestly, can we talk about that for a quick second? <laughs> he's getting a lot of hate for that. And I am so for Rogers and the psychedelic stories. Like, first of all, there's a lot of studies out there about shrooms impacting anxiety in a positive way. There's a lot of like microdosing psychology out there. So it's you're you're getting a little bit of my hippie side here for my <laughs> listeners. But second of all, like Hell yeah, Rogers, like get in tune with that side of you. I love it. And if he's in a good headspace and if he's in a good body space, then I don't actually really care what he does in his personal life. Um, and he seems to be doing quite well. It hasn't impacted him, I should say. That kind of whatever he puts in his body, if it's not impacting his on the on the field play, which it's clearly not, then yeah, go for it, dude. Um, and he looks great. From everything I've seen, he looks freaking fantastic. And when you have a fantastic Rogers, you're going to elevate the play around you. Yeah, I really liked his comments. Um, I know he normally does media availability on Wednesdays, but, you know, he was really complimentary. And and he's not the kind of player, you know, we've talked about this in his 18 seasons now. He doesn't just hand out compliments. So to talk about Russell Douglas. Yeah. Right. So to talk about Russell Douglas in the same vein as Charles Woodson, to talk about Romeo Dobbs having the same type of work ethic and the wow factor in his play you know, comparing him to guys that are top 10 in Packers franchise history for their receiving, you know, he clearly is, is loving whatever's going on in camp. He talked about hanging out with his best friend and David Bakhtiari on the, on the golf cart. So they're just a very chill Rogers, I think is, is good for the entire offense. Like you said. Agree. And he had his, his one eight, seven back. Jordy was there Mm -hmm. today. So we love that. Um, Yeah, I feel good about this offense. I mean, like I said, I feel like you and I were always somewhat level-headed about this offense going into the season, mainly because, like we said, Rodgers. And second, LaFleur. Like, LaFleur is going to know what to do with these guys. I'm sure he's cooking up something really fun. But it is very, very encouraging to hear that offense is looking good, that some of the rookies and second-year players are stepping up in a way that, like, you want to see that level of development. And I'm looking forward to seeing them in person. I uh, I feel like Christian Watson is like leaving us on a cliffhanger yep. right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm like, can you just get healthy so we can like mm-hmm. see what the deal is? Yeah, and I mean, I think that we talked about this too on the show before, obviously a couple times. But I still don't think you know all the reports coming out about how great the receivers have looked. Does I still don't think anybody has a thousand yards. I'm not even sure somebody yeah. has 800 yards. But Randall Cobb in 12 games had 375 yards and five touchdowns. That kind of, if you said in 17 games he has 375 yards and five touchdowns, I'd be like, okay, great. You know, because he's just one piece of this offense. We expect a lot out of A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones' pass catchers and the pony package, which we're very excited about. So just, you know, I think we could have five wide receivers that all have 500 yards and still have an efficient offense. With Rogers, sounds for Cobb this coming season, I'd be ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so you brought up the running backs. Let's bring. Let's talk about them real quick because I feel like we never really talk about this group because they feel we have our one and two feels very solid. You assume that whenever Kylan Hill comes back, he kind of has that number three spot on lock. But Patrick Taylor 
is hurt again, unfortunately. So the number four spot, and we know, I think I feel pretty confident saying the Packers keep four running backs. So it's kind of a nice little competition between BJ Baylor and Tyler Goodson, who both look pretty good in practice. I see Andy tweeting about both of them making plays all the time. So that'll be also interesting to see who they end up keeping. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, too, because I don't remember who it was asked Matt LaFleur about that um, going into family night. And then, you know, if anything lingers into the preseason and you obviously don't want Jones and Dylan to play in your first preseason game, Kylan Hill won't be available. If Patrick Taylor can't go, you have two running backs. So what does that look like? Because you can't have two running backs playing the entire preseason game. That's just a lot of wear and tear. So, you know, maybe that's a position where the Packers will think about signing somebody else, another camp body. But, you know, I feel for guys that come in this late because it always kind of feels like you're just like an insurance policy. But every running back has looked really good in the limited option or opportunities that they've had. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's like part good scouting part. This offense is just very running back friendly. Mm hmm or they're just behind a very good offensive line. I actually had a had a, an interesting discussion with my 15-year-old stepbrother this week. Uh, I, for those listening, I was, I was on vacation with my dad's side of the family, and my stepbrother is a Giants fan, and he can't wait to see Saquon Barkley, right? He loves him, mm-hmm. obviously. He's 15, and he's like, should I draft him really high in fantasy? I was helping him draft his fantasy team. And I was like, I don't know, dude, like – do the Giants have a good offensive line? And he was like, no. And then I was like, then I don't think Saquon Barkley is a good pick. And that's really what it comes down to, right, is offensive line play makes the running game run, for lack of a better word. And the Packers, because they draft really good offensive linemen, and they also have very talented running backs, and Matt LaFleur loves his you know, running scheme it ends up just working, whoever you put back there. So I think this is not to also discredit B.J. Baylor or Tyler Goodson. Obviously, they're the bodies that have to make the plays and like know the book and make it work. But I do think all of it tied together puts those guys in a really nice position. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm excited to see them actually get the pads on, like you said, and go into a preseason game. Because right now, it sounds like guys like Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary getting plenty of stops in the backfield. But when you can't actually tackle or grab someone, they breeze right by you. So curious what it looks like, you know, when we actually are able to make stops at the line of scrimmage, and when the offense has to go full go along the line. But Let's flip to the defense because I I want to talk about the defensive line specifically. One, how many guys you think maybe they'll keep on the defensive line mm-hmm. and just the fact that Kenny Clark finally has some help and he's smiling all the time now in all of his pressers. Is he smiling all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I love he has not right stopped there. smiling at his locker. Yeah, um, I think they keep, I'm trying to think, him, Dean, Duran, Devonta Wyatt. Slayton? Slayton. So five? Five. Yeah. I can't really see them not keeping any of those five. Um, So far from what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've talked to Andy Nagler about is the defense is winning. Like, and Mm -hmm. we knew that this was going to happen, right? The defense is in another year with Barry. They have like a thousand first round picks on that side of the ball. And give or take, right? (laughs) And they're making lots and lots of plays. And I think you saw that today if you're following the coverage of of practice. 
Um, and I think I said this on our episode with Nagler and I just want to reiterate it that I actually don't think, I guess I'm flipping what I said with Nagler, but I don't, I don't think whether the offense wins one day or the defense wins another day is any indication for anything negative on either side. Mm -hmm. of the ball. I think that the Packers have playmakers on both sides of the ball and we're seeing each of them win depending on the situation. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I don't have your at if you listen to the podcast, but somebody posted a video from training camp of Romeo Dobbs going up against Eric Stokes and oh. Eric Stokes was like flustered, you know, and, and there was a lot about, you know, what that means for Stokes or what that means for Dobbs. And I think that's the kind of competition that you're looking for. And if anything, like to me, that makes me excited knowing how fast Eric Stokes is and the kind of makeup speed that he has about a player like Dobbs. So I don't take it as like a negative against Eric Stokes because we know he had plenty of rookie growing pains last season and then had a phenomenal rookie year. So I think yeah. a lot of this is just, it's like when Jair would go up against Devonte. you know, they're each going to get their opportunities to win one. And all it does is elevate the level of competition that you're going up against. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's talk about the secondary or do we want to go front seven? We can jump around. All right. Um, they look great. <laughs> Jair obviously had some tightness that was a little concerning because you just don't want to hear. But he seems fine. I think he he practiced today, and they're planning on putting out there him out there for a little bit on family night. Um, I love hearing about Rasul in the slot. I think that's really fun. Um, you had a nice comment about Shamar John Charles before we started recording. If you want to share with the listeners. <laughs> yeah. So in his uh, media availability, he was just talking about how in college he had to play a little bit everywhere, you know, boundary nickel played a little bit of safety and that he's been willing to do that in some practice. So hasn't been reported too much. Don't think it's happened too frequently, but I feel like his position on the roster is maybe more locked in than we would have initially expected. And the Packers typically give guys in their second year additional opportunities. I don't think he was, mm -hmm necessarily in jeopardy of being on the bubble. But when you have a room as crowded as this room is now with guys like Keyshawn Nixon, Rico Gafford, um, Levitt coming, you know, that all have a history with Rich Passaccia, then it does make you question if guys like uh, Shamar are going to get their fair shake. And it sounds like he's willing to play anywhere and looks pretty good in the coverages that he has had. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear that. Um, you want to see the development some, from some of the later round guys, because that's kind of what is like the important depth within your roster. You don't want to just like lose your late round picks for lack of development. And I do think he has a spot, especially on special teams. Um, so I'm really excited to hear that. And um, I'm certainly rooting for him. Obviously, like you said, it, it is a crowded room and it is hard to crack into any significant amount of playing time when your starters, your five, you know, nickel, if you will, base starters are who they are in this defense and they are going to play probably almost a hundred percent of snaps. So to see him kind of rotate in there and find carve out some kind of role is really exciting for him. Um, and I'm happy to kind of hear that, I guess, Joe Barry is finding ways to use his guys as much as possible and in, in kind of a creative way. Yeah. And I mean, I think that you know, maybe we're going to have to start labeling some of these guys DBs instead of corners or safeties because, you know, like you said, the spots are going to get pretty filled up as far as who you're starting five are. 
but in dime packages, you might see a Sean Davis occasionally, but a guy like Rico Gafford sounds like he's been playing really, really well. So, you know, the Packers are going to try and keep some of those guys on the roster, even if it's just for Rich Passaccia. But then of course they're taking up depth spots at positions like corner and safety. So I think the versatility of those guys to not only stick on special teams, but be able to come in and sub packages for Joe Barry is going to be what, you know, secures their roster spot and keeps them on the roster long-term. Definitely. Um, all right, let's move to linebackers. Okay. Um, seeing a lot of Quay, definitely feel like he's kind of locked in that number two spot. I know it's really early to say that, but it just it just feels that way. And I'm glad, I'm glad that they're going to get production out of their first-round pick. Um, I saw a video of him today wearing those helmets. Mm-hmm. So do we feel like he's going to play special teams or is that just a safety precaution? You mean like the padded one? Yeah. Anybody that can have like collision every play has to wear those right now. Oh, interesting. So like the D-line, the O-line, I think it was running backs and linebackers, but like none of the receivers and corners are wearing them. Got it. Okay, never mind. No Quay Walker on special teams. He might though. I mean, I think he was out there with some of Basaccia's units. Okay, we love that. Big body. <laughs> He's fast, too, so. He is fast. Him, like, running and cutting and side, going sideline to sideline is really insane for someone that, that's that large. I do think you bring up an interesting, like, you know, as far as looking at the the linebackers as a whole, Chris Barnes feels like a roster lock. I know Isaiah McDuffie was really complimentary of Basaccia and really said that they were actively enjoying the special teams drills and the work right now. So, you know, maybe he's the fourth inside linebacker there for mm-hmm. a larger role on special teams. But I haven't heard too much behind Preston and Gary as far as what the third edge rush, like who's winning that third edge competition. So I think, you know, the backup spots at inside linebacker and edge are pretty up for grabs right now. And I think, you know, we'll see a lot of that in the preseason. I know Randy Ramsey was getting compliments from, you know, Rashawn and he was saying how good it is to have him back. But as far as like a guy jumping out is kind of winning, I haven't heard any of that yet. Me either. And it might just take some time. It might take like a really nice preseason game to see who, who can fill that role. But I agree. It's certainly open and really, really, really important. Um, Not that I hope, or think that this is going to happen, but like if either Rashawn or Preston were even to miss a single game, um, you're so thin there that you kind of worry about what kind of pressure they can get. Yeah. I mean, I love the versatility of a guy like Quay Walker. We've seen him take some snaps at edge, you know, doing that kind of roaming nose thing that we saw as Darius do quite yeah. a bit in 2020, but yeah, just the depth in general. I, f- I still feel like if the Packers add anywhere, they add an edge piece. Yeah, because, I totally agree. You know, I think with Devondre and Quay, not to compare the two, but if something were to happen to Devondre, I think Quay probably has enough athleticism to mitigate some of that. He's not mm-hmm. going to come in and play like an all-pro as a rookie, but I think yeah. he can make up for some of those deficiencies. Like you said, I'm not sure that you have right now the guys in the edge room to make up for deficiencies of losing a starter. And at the edge position, like either Preston or Sean. Oh, 100%. I completely agree with that statement. And it's not like I'm not too worried about it, but I do think at some point we're going to have to figure out who number three is. Even if, like, 
you also, in my mind, don't want Rashawn and Preston playing like a hundred percent of snaps. Right. It was a knock against them their first year. They were just too much. It was too much. And so like, they're going to need a break at some point. And then you think, okay, well, if Rashawn's not on the field, is that going to be an easy completion? Like, is that going to, right? Like, how does that affect what this defense wants to do? And Again, you're not going to find another Rashawn Gary somewhere on the step chart, but you need someone sufficient enough at rushing the quarterback and making some kind of pressure to allow Rashawn Gary to come off the field every once in a while, like take a breath. Yeah, and I mean, I think, honestly, this might be where we see this defensive line start to shine because you might get to see Kenny Clark take a rep as a defensive end instead of, you know, always having to play nose tackle and know that he's getting double teamed by the center and a guard, you know, so I, we did hear, you know, Nagler last week talking about getting really creative with four defensive linemen. And I know that that's not necessarily a sustainable thing, especially for multiple downs, because these are big guys that are going to get gassed, but some packages that I think we're going to see the versatility come from these, this D line could potentially mitigate some of, you know, the weak, the weaker spots, I guess, with the edge rotation. Yeah. Maybe especially on like early downs, not in like critical third down situations. Yeah, exactly. The run stuffing downs. You just put TJ Slayton in there and you just let him eat. Yeah. Him and Wyatt and Kenny and (laughs) Dean. Wow. That's some big bodies. Big dudes. Um, any final thoughts? I think we want to talk chat quick about family night. Can't believe it's already here. I know. Hopefully they're getting good weather this year. It seems like every year there's a family night that means that there's going to be lightning and thunder. It looks like 86 in the forecast and sunny. So really hot, bring some water, stay hydrated, but should be uh, great to have a packed bowl, everybody back under the lights. And I always love hearing it from the rookies afterwards, what the experience is like to have their family there. And then the fireworks and everything is just really special. Yeah. I can't believe this time last year I was there. Watched, I, uh, I watched family night from a brewery in Green Bay. Pretty crazy. Crazy. Well, and I love that it's televised. Honestly, I love that you can find family night. Like I can get it on my TV in Kenosha. That's really cute. I do yeah. love that. That's great. All right, everyone. Well, this was a fun, just chatting about training camp. Um, like we've said, we will be up there at some point. So you'll actually get like firsthand accounts from us, but really just synthesizing everything that we have seen and heard from our friends who are up there. So if you really want the firsthand account, go follow guys like Andy Herman and Aaron Nagler and all the other beat reporters. They're doing a phenomenal job. Yeah. So thank you as always for listening to this show. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast. You can find us on Twitch and YouTube and Instagram at packs. What she said, you can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Thanks again for listening. Feel free to rate and subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite listening platforms and go pack up. Go pack up.